0: You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host.
1: Welcome to today's episode. My name is Melissa Federson, and I'm joined by Brendan Palfreyman, a partner on our cannabis industry team, our business and commercial litigation practice, and our intellectual property practice. Brendan has experience representing and counseling breweries, wineries, distilleries, and now dispensaries across the country, advising on intellectual property, litigation, and more. Brendan has been watching closely as cannabis startups navigate issues of marketing, branding, and intellectual property, sometimes stepping on many toes as they try to carve out their identities. He joins us in Rochester today from our Syracuse office. Welcome, Brendan.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Today's discussion is. A fun one prompted by a lawsuit that involves actor Sasha Baron Cohn, his character Borat, who's a fictional reporter from Kazakhstan, and a cannabis dispensary billboard in Massachusetts. Can you tell us about this case and what's at issue?
0: Sure. This is a case of a, a relatively new cannabis company um, looking to make a name for themselves. And unfortunately, they decided to do that by. Appropriating the likeness of the popular character Borat, um, uh, which, is, which was created by Sasha Baron Cohen, um, and then using that image on, on a billboard, um, uh, which gave the false impression that the um, actor or, or perhaps his company was sponsoring or, or some otherwise affiliated with cannabis company. This obviously not being the case. Sasha either himself or on behalf of his company sued the cannabis company uh, seeking nine million dollars in damages um, for what you know probably what otherwise would have been a pretty short-lived billboard There are a lot of situations like this company as the as the industry matures the cannabis industry matures um, and more larger companies start paying attention to what's going on there um, you're you're gonna see a lot more cases like this where large companies um, are, are protecting their rights against these smaller dispensaries and 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 farmers that are you know sort of new to the marketplace, new to the concept of intellectual property.
1: Right. I mean, it seems like a pretty basic issue not to appropriate a character. But can you tell yeah. me, is there an IP theft problem generally in the cannabis industry? I mean, it's it's so new.
0: Yeah, I think there is, um, and a lot of that's because, you know, until recently in a lot of places it was an entirely illegal enterprise. Which means, you know, if, if you're not if you're selling a product that's illegal, you're you're probably not too concerned about intellectual property because you're not you're not going to have like a, a formal address where you could receive a cease and assist or you know at which you could be served process uh, with a lawsuit. Um, it, it's much harder to enforce um, trademarks in you know black. Or gray markets, um, as as light has begun to show on this on the larger cannabis market as it's legalized state by state and possibly federally, um, uh, inc- including with Senator Schumer's recent bill, um, uh, these companies are are going legit or already legit companies are, are getting into the industry. Um, as that happens, you know people, you know, frequently will rely on some previous um, famous product to get people to, you know, purchase their, their cannabis products. So they're, they're cannabis products that are shaped and, and, uh, that use a name that are similar to Skittles candy that might've, you know, flown under the radar when it was an illegal product being sold out of, um, you know, off of someone's porch. But if you are now going into a marketplace with a selling it online, It across state lines. Large companies um, like the ones that make Skittles are are going to sit up and take notice.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's becoming less under the radar and more prominent all over. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, one focus of yours is the craft beer industry. Do you see similarities to these cannabis IP issues and craft beer IP issues?
0: Yeah, um, they're both, at least initially in craft beer, were sort of rebelling against the status quo. Um, you know, craft beer was formed as a reaction to the, the Budweiser's and Coors Lights of the world, which are sort of homogenous and don't, you know, tend to have much flavor. You know, so, so there was sort of a, you know, uh, rebelling against the man type of attitude and falling along with that and in connection with the um, immaturity of the market. Um in that it was a, a new craft beer was until you know somewhat recently a, a new market with a lot of um people entering to it without previous business experience. You know, all that led to a situation where you know there were plenty of people who were naming beers after after candy bars or, or famous movie characters or um people have named beers after you know, fried chicken places. Um, whatever you can think of, people have tried to name a beer after it and they're running through the same problem that larger companies are stepping up and, um, enforcing their rights a lot more. Um, right now, for example, Hershey is going after the craft beer industry, um, pretty hard. And, you know, anecdotally, I believe it's sent out dozens or hundreds of cease and to, um, craft breweries across the country. But yeah, so I, I definitely see parallels between, you know, where craft beer was. Where I mean, where craft beer is now somewhat, but more so where it was, you know, five, ten years ago and where the cannabis industry is now.
1: Right. So you touched on some of this. Any industry that's kind of rebelling against larger corporations and trying to be a little bit defiant um, might be under the radar. It may just be getting legalized like cannabis. Why does that lead to so many IP theft issues?
0: Um, it's just a, a clever or fun way to either pay an homage to something that you enjoy, whether it's a, a movie or a song that you like, or a band or things like that, or a character from a book, and/or there's a desire to express something about the product. So if if your product looks and tastes like Skittles, but it's a cannabis product, it probably makes it easier to sell that product if you call it Skittles or some derivative of the word Skittles. Um, so some combination of you know, homages, like even if they might be um, pure, um, of pure intention, and people who are are literally trying to um, draft off the success of a, a larger, more prominent brand.
1: So in that case, or in general, what should the cannabis industry be doing? You know, if they want to invoke or reference a popular brand or pay homage to something else, what should they be doing so that they can express themselves, but also abide by intellectual property law?
0: Um, so it, there's, there's no clear demarcation between an acceptable homage and copyright or trademark infringement. Um, it, it's a shifting target. Um, you, you, I mean, honestly, you should probably talk to an attorney, give them specific examples of what you want to do. And they can give you an opinion as to whether or not it's across that line. But generally speaking, if, if you're if you're taking directly from the work at issue, um, you're taking sort of the heart of the work at issue. You're you're not really making any changes to it. You know that that's probably going to be on the wrong side of the line. Whereas if you're making allusions uh, to the work at issue or relying on a smaller um, aspect of it, so one one example. I give, and it's just my personal opinion as to whether it's over the line or not. But the movie Office Space, um, which is a very popular cult comedy, if you named beer or uh, or a cannabis product, Office Space, or Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster, or something something other, some other like major reference from the movie, you know, you you could be running into issues with either the 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 creator or the studio of the movie or the artist involved. Um, but there's a, a beer in, I think it's made in Colorado that's called like Fred Stapler or something like that, which is a much more subtle reference to, a, you know, one or two scenes in the movie. You know, and that's that's probably right. a lot closer to being on the right side of the line.
1: Okay, so more subtle and less overt. Yeah. Okay. Anything else like uh, trademark searches?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a little bit of limited. I mean, if if you're naming it product after, if if it's an homage, like you already know what the intellectual property issue is. Um, That doesn't mean that there aren't other things out there that you couldn't be aware of. Um, In which case, um, there may be some limited utility to running federal or, or state trademark searches. The federal is not going to be as useful, primarily because you can't currently get a trademark Registration federally for cannabis or marijuana or even CBD um, because the products are either illegal or they haven't been approved by the FDA, so they're considered illegal. Um, so those aren't gonna be out there. However, it will pull up more pop culture or unrelated reference. So if you if you're if you like John Deere tractors or something like that, and you're you're naming a cannabis product, you know, something to do with a John Deere tractor, and your packaging is yellow and green. I mean you already know what the IPA issue is but if you run a federal trademark search you'll you'll come across registration for John Deere for tractors and and related you know farming machinery. So yeah, it, it's a good idea to run the federal trademark search. Um you may want to run a state trademark search as well in your state. But again, if if, if it's an homage, you you already know what the issue is going to be and you're trying to skirt that.
1: Okay. So last question, is trademark protection available at this point for businesses in the cannabis space?
0: So there are, as I mentioned, you can't get a straight-up trademark for cannabis um, because it's not federally legal. It's obviously a different situation, but it's the same reason you can't get a trademark for heroin um, <laughs> or LSD. You know, um, The right. government does not issue trademarks for products that are illegal or services right. that are illegal. Um, There are creative ways you can protect your rights, though, Um, and and with the hope being that someday um, uh, there will be legalization nationwide, in which case the floodgates will open and everyone and and their mother will be filing trademarks for cannabis. Um, Things you can do in the interim, um, if your state has legalized cannabis, odds are good that you can get a state trademark registration. Um, so in New York, for example, you get a straight trademark registration for cannabis products, but that's only going to be as good as far as the state that you're in, the state that you've applied in. So you know you could go state by state uh, if you're just going to be in the Northeast, like go through all the states that have legalization in place and file trademarks and then one by one. Um, that's that's a good option. Another option is to file trademarks for sort of cannabis adjacent goods or services. So one thing that people will do is they like they're selling cannabis but they can't get a trademark for it. But they have a website, you know, which has some information about cannabis. So you, you can get a trademark registration for um, you know, website services providing information about cannabis and cannabis, you know, related issues. That doesn't get you all the way there, but it does give you some protection in and around the cannabis space. Um, which, you know, and the idea would be if someone else starts imprinting your mark, you say, Hey, I've got I've got this trademark and you know, the goods and services aren't identical because yours is a cannabis product, mine is a website, but there are overlapping things there. So, those are just two sort of examples of things strategies um, that you can undertake in advance of you know federal legalization to protect your marks in the cannabis space.
1: Great. Is there anything else you wanted to cover?
0: Uh, no, yeah, it's a very exciting industry. Um, lots of entrance, lots of states are opening up registration in New York. They're they're just figuring out all the different types of licenses that are going to be available. Um, so, and once once the the floodgates open, there there will be a flood. So, if, if you're thinking about getting into the space, you know, talk start talking to professionals now about which type of license you need, um, which type of information you'll need, um, so you can get your application together as soon as possible and be one of those first ones through the gate.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today, Brendan. It's always fun to discuss uh, office space, Skittles, and Borat on a legal podcast. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> for more information on Brendan's practice and our cannabis industry team, visit harrisbeach.com cannabis. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach Podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.